Welcome to Awareness to Action, a podcast brought to you by the Northwestern Community Services Board Prevention Department. I'm your host, Casey, a social worker and prevention specialist here in Virginia. Our podcast goal is to promote wellness through conversation, connection, and action. We hope each episode will leave you feeling inspired and motivated to look for ways to get involved in your own community. Welcome back to Awareness to Action, and Happy New Year. Today we're joined by Shanza Isom. Shanza is an assistant professor in the James Madison University Department of Social Work, where she teaches undergraduate courses and directs field instruction. Shanza is also a facilitator and trainer, with expertise in areas of mindfulness and holistic well-being. Shanza trains and teaches educators, parents, and those in helping professions in the incorporation of mindfulness in their personal and professional lives. I know Shanza from my own time at JMU, when I was lucky enough to have her as a professor. Shanza's emphasis on the benefits and beauty of holistic well-being, mindfulness, and self-care are part of the formation of my own social work practice, so I'm absolutely thrilled to have her on the show. And I'm excited to share this episode at the start of the year, a perfect time to begin or continue incorporating these practices into our lives. All right, Shanza, thanks for being on the podcast today. I'm excited to be here. I've been looking forward to it for quite some time now. So thanks for having me. I have too. And I am just looking forward to what we're going to dive into. I think it's going to be really good. Let's do it. So let's start with you telling our listeners about yourself, the work you do in the community and the path you took to get here. Okay, that's a big question. So a little bit about myself, social worker by profession. I've been practicing since receiving my BSW. So that was back in 2002. So it's been quite some time after some work in the community and getting my graduate degree, a little bit more work. I fell into honestly, higher education and teaching, which was exciting. It was not a part of my plan necessarily. Although I've always been interested in kind of meso practice groups, facilitation, education, those sorts of things. So it really aligned, I think, fairly well. What that has looked like for me, outside of being a professor, what that's looked like for me over the years really is being engaged in the community sort of on that level, right? Any spaces where I could offer opportunities for workshops, facilitations that are usually around a specific topic in education. One of my passions, in addition to social work practice, has been kind of holistic well-being self-care, wellness in general, mindfulness. And so I've kind of lived this almost double life until I would say within the last five years where they have, as I like to say, they've married each other. So prior to like the last five years, it's, you know, I was teaching and then on the side, right? On the side, I was doing all this other work in the community where I saw the connections, but there wasn't really, wasn't a smooth or really intentional connection on my end. It was, as people like to say, your side hustle, right? So it's kind of what I did on the side because it filled me. I enjoyed it. So if we're talking about well-being, right, and knowing what fills you, what brings you joy and excitement, that always has. And so what I've been able to do over the last five years, you know, in thinking about intention is I've really put a lot of time and energy into figuring out, okay, how do I bring these two together in such a way that it doesn't feel like double work for me? But really, I think the biggest part is they, in my mind, they make perfect sense together, right? And so when I think about what I'm teaching my students and what we know about social practice and what we know about social justice and what we know about working with people, social work operates from a similar perspective and really looking at the whole person. And so when I think about holistic well-being, that's what we're doing, right? I mean, that's what we're talking about. We're talking about the whole person. What does that mean? And so my journey has consisted of kind of, you know, practicing, teaching, kind of doing this side stuff where I've been a mindfulness instructor through a nonprofit in Richmond, now called the Inner Work Center. It was originally called Chrysalis Institute. And I've done all of my mindfulness work kind of on that side, right? All of my holistic well-being stuff on that side. And now, since then, I've actually started my own business, and which has been really exciting around that. I am contracted in quite often to facilitate, to serve as a keynote, 
you know, to do workshops, to do professional development trainings, to do a one-time kind of educational piece from being in school systems, which I love. I like to say I, I love the children and I love to train the trainer. I'm that person, right? And so let me work with the teachers. Let me work with the staff. Let me work with the parents. Let me work with the people who are working with the people and prepare them for the work, right? That's really a passion of mine. And so I've done a lot of work in the community with teachers within school systems, predominantly, honestly, in the Richmond area, because that's where I'm from. I still commute to this area. And so predominantly in that area, but also with small businesses and organizations. I've recently done some work with Junior League of Richmond, for example. They just asked me to come back. The I can't think of the official name of it. Oh, and I hate that I'm blanking on it. It's not the league. Virginia District of Independent colleges or League of Independent Colleges, can't remember the name of it. Sorry that I don't know it. But I just did some work with college students who are in independent colleges like Mary Baldwin, right, who are like Bridgewater, who are women in particular, right? So young adults who are in these colleges and was a part of one of their leadership institutes and provided some workshops or actually I was a speaker for their last day around kind of this same idea. What does it mean to lead? mindfully, right? And so I've done some work even here at JMU where I was a keynote for the Madison Leeds Conference on the same idea, right? So kind of leading with intention. What does mindful leadership mean, right? And so when I think about that, again, I see it being married and that a lot of this work now is being done with the college students, not just at JMU, right? Other universities or other programs that are working with college students, I've implemented so much of this stuff into my classes and how I approach my students and how I approach teaching. And then again, very much still out in the community where I'm contracted and are asked to speak or provide. And some of these are spaces where I wouldn't naturally think that I fit, but there's an interest in the topic because we're all in a place where we could use kind of some reflection, some guidance on what does it mean to be well, right? Especially in the midst, I think, of COVID because some of our responses to that have likely changed. So I would say that's how my journey has looked up until this point in as much of a nutshell as I could say it. And some of my work in the community, I could go on and on, but I'll stop there. And if you would like for me to add more, I so could do that also. Well, I'm just, I love what you just said about training the trainers for the benefit of our listeners for some context. Shanza was one of my professors when I was at JMU and (laughs) self-care was such a focus in our classes and our courses. And at the time I remember thinking like, I know this is important, but we're really talking about this a lot (laughs) now that I'm in the field. I'm like, oh my gosh, that was so, so crucial to my formation as a social worker. I I mean, I can't really emphasize that enough. And so I'm glad that you used that phrasing and highlighted that because training the trainers is important. Training the trainers is important. And for many of us who are working, I just did a workshop for those who are in helping professions. And I've, since you've left, I've created two classes, two electives. Mindfulness is a wellness practice. And self-care for helping professions. Because I feel like, and as you know now, as you're out and practicing, right? Real world now, it is, it's so crucial. I think we hear the term self-care. We're like, you know, it's kind of, we've talked about it so much that it's slightly watered down. And one of the things that I find interesting about anybody who's working with people and those in the helping profession, especially those, you know, social workers, nurses, teachers, we're seeing right now, right? This is nothing new. We know, research has shown that the work that we do have an impact on our well-being. That is not new, right? That's something that's all aware of it, right? Burnout, compassion fatigue, vicarious trauma, those things are not new. The research is there, right? And I think what we're slowly starting to realize now that we're in the middle of a pandemic, I think other people are realizing how much people who are in certain fields are impacted the work that they do by the demand that's placed on them, right? And we're not talking physical demand necessarily, right? We're talking the emotional and mental toll that it takes to do some of this work. And unfortunately, I feel like, although there's probably not a social work student, there's probably not a nursing student or a teacher student, teaching student who's not aware of the fact that self-care is important for our field a little differently, maybe than others from a professional standpoint. Personally, it's important for all of us, right? But professionally, some of us are more at risk. And so although there's not a student, I would say, who isn't aware of that, I would then go so far as to say is we don't teach it though, right? Like we stress the importance of it and 
there's no real content that teaches one, okay, so what? I know that this is important. I need to be aware of it. That's very important. When I think about this podcast, right? Awareness to action. Okay, so what? The awareness is wonderful, but if we're not doing anything with it or we're not using that awareness, right? In a very intentional way to prepare students and that's the action piece. What does that look like? Then I think we're really, we're doing our students a disservice because the reality is what happens is most of us get into the field. I mean, I'm not just talking social, but we get into the field and we practice for quite some time. And then we realize, oh no, right? Yes, I know that this stuff is important, but it's too late. Like, I don't know, I don't know how to come back from this, right? How do I pour into myself when I'm, I'm so empty that I feel like I need to leave the field, right? Or I need to leave the job. And so we don't provide the tools. The awareness is important, but without the tools, we're just kind of in this state of just awareness, which we know is excellent right? That's one step. That's one step. And I think that we have, and I'm going to stop after this because I will go for a very long time once I mention this, I think we have an ethical obligation to prepare students in the same that we, same way that we prepare you with skills and that we prepare you with knowledge, right? On other topics, I think that we have an ethical obligation to prepare students who are in these fields with the tools to be well in order to continue this work. And so I will stop right there because don't get me started on ethical obligation, Casey. Okay. I'm going to, I'm going to (laughs) pause. I think I would really to hear you speak more about ethical obligation and what that (laughs) means, because I think it's a really important concept. Yeah. And you know, so you are willing to give the overview. Well, so, so what I'll say, I guess, and we can dig deep or stop after this if we'd like, but since you've opened the door a little wider, right, I'm going to just share a little bit more. I'll just use social work for an example, right? We actually have a clause in our code of ethics about professional self-care. Most of my students are not aware of that until I mention it. And if they are aware, they're not aware of what it says, right? And so if we have something there, just like we have ethical obligations for other things, right? If we have a code of ethics that we're abiding by and students are memorizing the values, right? And they're memorizing all of these things. Some of them can tell you the preamble, right? Like all of this stuff. Why aren't people aware of what is stated about um, about professional self-care, right? And if we know that it's important enough that we've added this clause, why is that not a part of our then curriculum, right? If we're expecting people to abide by it, then we should have that inserted in such a way that it's in the forefront, right? And that is prioritized. And I would go so far as to say it's not prioritized. And that's across the profession, right? It's not prioritized. And so, you know, I feel the ethical obligation to be well when we're working with other people, right? That if we are not well, if we are unhealthy, and I'm not talking from a physical standpoint, maybe that also, but I'm talking our whole self, right? And so I'm talking mental, emotional, spiritual, and whatever that means for you, right? Social, all of those components make up you as a person. And if you're lacking in one or two of the areas, or if you're unhealthy in one or two of the areas, it could very much impact, it will impact how you show up, right? It could then be detrimental to the work that you do. And so when we're li- when we're working with real people, with lives who are, you know, we're talking vulnerable people, right? Vulnerable populations. And we're working with children, right? When we're working with people in need, we're working in medical settings, right? We're working in spaces where people are relying on us to be our best self, right? And so if we're not our best self, I feel that that's an ethical issue. So that's what I'll say about that. <laughs> I just want it on record that I agree with you. You know, hear my passion, Casey. (laughs) (laughs) I think what you're saying about the prioritization of that really ties to preparedness because, and this, I mean, this is something that we did back in the day when I was in your class is coming up with plans for our self-care because you really just don't have, when you get to the point where you really desperately need that self-care. Hopefully you're not getting to the point where it's desperate, but when you are and you don't have a plan, there's no energy to tap into for coming up with what works. But if you have a, you know, a little knowledge base at the ready of here's what I know I need. And I know that it changes from situation to situation, circumstance. I think that's huge. And yeah. I mean, well, let's think about it in this way, when we're working with people, and you will understand this because of the work that you do, when you're working with people and you think about crises, we always talk about a safety plan. We also talk about 
you know, in our society, people are aware of these of, the, of this language, and we operate in this way within social work. But when you think about prevention and intervention, right, that's how I look at self-care, that oftentimes when we're talking about self-care in our society, we're talking about intervention. When things have fallen apart, what are you doing, right? I like to think about it, and this is where that radical piece comes in for me, right? It's not just managing in the midst of mess just how I like to talk about it, right? But how are we preventing some of that? How are we caring for and prioritizing ourselves with intention from the jump to hopefully minimize those other spaces? We're not gonna prevent them because we cannot predict life, right? And so we can't, pre we can't prevent them. However, we can work from a prevention lens and set ourselves up, right? In such a way that we minimize them or that we're prepared in a different way or that we're intervening earlier on, right? And so all of those things make, which is again, why I talk about marrying these, it makes perfect sense. And yet we still have not, we still have not stepped into a place of incorporating that with intention into curriculum or honestly with young kids. Side note, but very much related, made a Facebook post yesterday the week before Thanksgiving, I have a 15 year old, the week before Thanksgiving, he's a sophomore. He's really busy right now, right? You know, he's in a college prep program. He's in the, you know, advanced college academy. So he's in all, you know, AP classes. He plays tennis. He has a girlfriend for the first time, right? So he's trying to hang out with his, with his new girlfriend and trying to manage friends. He's doing community service. He has a lot going on. He manages pretty well. It's all stuff that he wants to do. And this was the week before Thanksgiving. And he came to me, you know, one night and he kind of climbed in my bed and he said, mom, I'm overwhelmed. And I said, you are. And he said, yeah, right. So nobody wants to hear that. And he's like, you're 15. You don't know overwhelmed yet. And yet they do, right? I'm overwhelmed. And I said, what do you need, baby? You know, he's like, I don't know. But like, like, I'm really like, I'm struggling. I mean, in other words, he's like, I'm struggling. And I said, so I asked him again about what he needed. And he still, he couldn't articulate that because we don't talk about this a lot. And my kids, I've done this since they were little and he's still struggling. And I said, so let me propose some things, right? Because sometimes what we need is for people to give us ideas. Self-care is very individualist, right? It looks, it's individualized. What I do, what you do is different. But when you don't know anything, right, it's helpful to hear least some ideas. And then you can pick and choose or you can try and taste, right? And so I gave some ideas. I named a few things, you know, and one of the things that I named, it was like the third one down. I said, or, you know, we can have a skip day and you can skip school and I can skip work and we can just hang out. And he's like, let's do that. And I said, okay. And I said, well, one of the things that I want you to remember, Elijah, is when you're feeling things to this level, where he, I could see him being a little emotional. When you feel things to this level, it's important that you tend to it immediately. So what's your schedule this week? Let's not put, Thanksgiving is next week. So we often, and I say this to say as adults, we often say, but I have the holiday coming up, but I have this coming up, or I have a day off, or if I can do two more weeks and I'm going to take some time. Well, the reality is I'm overwhelmed now. And two weeks from now, it's going to be 10 times worse. So how do I, right? And so we tend to put things off until we're so, and you know, we're such in a bad place that it takes more to recover from it. So my thing is, this is immediate. Let's deal with it now. And so we looked at a schedule and two days later, we took the day off, right? And we went shopping and we went to Dave and Buster's and did the arcade and we ate and it was just the two of us. And I could see him breathing, right? Just kind of breathing. And he needed that. And it's okay that he missed whatever he missed. And it's okay that I canceled all my meetings, right? Because I wanted to model, and this is where I'm taking it back to teaching, right? I wanted to model what it meant to prioritize yourself, right? It's one thing to say, okay, baby, well, maybe you can, you know, do this a little differently or go take a bath or how about you breathe tonight and skip, right? But I wanted to model it. Let me do it. I'm going to do it with you, right? I want to show you exactly what this looks like. And so, you know, for me, I feel like it's never too early to teach that. And unfortunately, I already feel like by the time I get college students, it's like foreign. It's like, what does that mean? What does that look like, you know? And so I enjoy when I'm able to be in the community and teach people, especially parents and teachers who are working with our young kids. So they're not like us as adults and just trying to figure this thing out. Granted, when life happens, we have to refigure it out anyway. But sometimes we have so, we have no real concept of what it means, what makes you happy, what fills you up. The number of adults that I work with who can't answer those questions you wouldn't believe it. You know, it's like, I have no idea, you know, and it's like, okay, 
we were starting at a different place. And so I just, I find it very important for us to prioritize that. And when I talk about that ethically, professionally, I feel like that extends just much greater than just professionally, right? I'm obligated to self, I'm obligated to my children, and I see my friend's children, my family, right? My students, like it's my responsibility to make sure that you have what, you have the tools that you need. It's up to you to use them, but that you have the tools that you need so that when it's time to use them, you have something. Um, and I feel like that's a huge gap for us in our society. I have so many thoughts. My first thought is sort of about boundaries in self-care because it's not easy to say, yeah, I have to cancel these meetings. And it's not easy to say, you know, I really just don't have the capacity for that right now. But it, I'm always glad when I do. There's never a time where I'm like, man, I wish I had been dishonest about my capacity. <laughs> it's always like, why wasn't I honest? Why didn't I tell them that I didn't have yeah. space for that? And I, it's I not easy, it. Casey, because we haven't normalized it. Right. Right. There's guilt with it. And there's this feeling of like, why am I not able to do it all? But that's part of the modeling. Like, and maybe this is just a way that I make myself feel better. But I think when I say no to something or I tell someone, you know, that I, you know, can I do that another time? Because I really just can't do it right now. There, I remind myself, you know what? You just stood up for yourself. You stood up for your yep. needs. You stood up for yep. your problems. And even if the other person doesn't realize it, that was good for them to witness. This is all good and helpful yep. because it's not normalized. Yep. So here's yep. my little pebble <laughs> that I'm throwing yeah. in yeah. to help normalize. And, you know, it almost saddens me. We don't feel like we have permission to set boundaries for ourselves, which is fascinating to me because if we don't set boundaries for ourselves, they won't exist, right? And so, but it, but you're right. There's a lot of these other feelings that come with that. And that's a cultural thing. That's a societal issue that, that we struggle with. And yeah, we haven't normalized it. So you feel bad for doing it, or you feel like I can't cancel these meetings tomorrow because people are depending on me. Well, you know, I'm depending on me for me too, right? And so, yeah, I, and I, you know, it's funny and I'm gonna be honest, I didn't feel bad canceling my meetings that day. Like, at all. I would not recommend that we go around counseling meetings all the time, right? <laughs> right? I mean, you know, and I recognized one that my son needed me. And honestly, I needed a day too. Right? And those meetings will wait until tomorrow or until I can reschedule them. And I, you know, again, as a common practice, not the best thing. You're actually going to create more stress for yourself if you procrastinate and put things off all the time, right? But that's not what that was right? And recognizing the difference and being aware of your capacity. And in order to do that, you have to spend time reflecting, right? But you have to be taught to do that too, right? It's this interesting, it's this interesting thing. And, you know, being able to set boundaries and whatever that looks like for you, that's a self-care strategy, as I like to say, right? That's a strategy. It's a necessity, but it's a strategy. Put that in your toolbox. You need to practice that on occasion. So you know what it feels like, right? You need to reflect on that day to day because my capacity this week will look different next week. My capacity today looks different from tomorrow, right? And so I have to be aware of it at all times in order to then respond appropriately and that it's okay to pause and take breaths right? It's okay to reflect and to be sure. It's okay to say, let me get back to you, right? We exist in a space where everything has to be kind of immediate and we move so fast, you know, but the pausing and reflecting, the taking the time, the I'll get back to you. Those are all, okay, I'm not sure. Let me think about it, you know, and get back to you. You know, I think that's seen so much now is like a rejection or, oh, that must mean, no, that means I want to think about it. <laughs> and thinking is good, you know? And so, but it's interesting. We don't give ourselves permission or others to take care of themselves. And that's that radical piece, right? You can't wait for permission, right? You owe it to yourself. You know, I think it's, you know, if you've heard the term unapologetic, right? But that's what it is. It's unapologetic, right? And it's it's not with an apology that I say no. <laughs> it may be unfortunate for you. And there's a reason behind my no. And I don't owe an explanation for it, right? I really don't. And the same with yes. You know, we need to give ourselves permission to say yes to. That's a whole different conversation and yet related as well, right? Sometimes we set different types of boundaries and sometimes we need to give ourselves a yes permission as well. Those are all strategies, if we don't model those, if we don't teach those, how do you know you're not born knowing this stuff? 
right? It has to come from somewhere. And unfortunately for most of us, it comes with education over time. It comes with experience. It comes with the negative consequences and you learning from your mistakes. And that's okay sometimes in life. And yet the tools exist, the knowledge exists, right? And so why don't, <laughs> you know, from a prevention standpoint, why not address some of these things with a little more intention a little earlier? And so that's part of why I do the work that I do in the community. That's part of why I try to incorporate as much as I can into my classes. And honestly, I feel like it's nowhere near enough. At this point, it's just, I'm trying to just drop little seeds, right? little seeds, which is why I then created the courses because now I can delve into it, right? I can't really do that in my other classes in the same way. And so I'm really excited about these courses and I cannot wait to have to propose that they're a required part of the curriculum. I've also recently worked on a curriculum outside of, with a colleague of mine with the Interwork Center, a mindful well-being curriculum that was open to anybody in the community. And it went excellent. We, we created the entire curriculum and we're now about to do it for the second time with staff for Henrico County Schools. And what I'm hoping to do the third time around then is offer it through if possible, NASW as a professional development for social workers, right? Like what is mindful well-being for social workers look like? And then maybe I'll do something else after that, right? But my hope is to eventually reach as many people as possible in all different types of settings because we all need it, right? And in some way, shape or form, what it may look like could vary, but we all need the space to be intentional about it. We all need the space to reflect on it for ourselves. We don't take that time day to day. Right. And so when you had these spaces, when I was doing that workshop with the college students, one of the things that they said was this is the first time I spent time really like really thinking about that for myself. Right. Because when we tend to think about it is when we need it most. And as you mentioned, it's likely the worst time to think about it because we're not in a space to do that well. You know, absolutely. I would love it if you I mean, you have so many things that you're passionate about. You have so many projects. <laughs> So many, like, so many things you're working on. And I think it's important. And you mentioned, you know, when you were first talking about what you do, this idea of double work and making sure that everything you're doing doesn't feel like double work. So I would just love for you to share. I mean, I hate this because it sounds cliche, but how you balance it all, because I there are ways to mindfully be very engaged in the community, be very involved without overdoing it. And it seems yeah. like you're doing that well. <laughs> and I am, I am trying to do that well. You know, I have some people who will say things like, you know, I want a chance to come because you're an expert at this. And an expert just means that you've done enough research, you've practiced it enough that you may have a little more knowledge than the average person, right? I recognize also sometimes I don't think people realize that I'm still learning too. The more that I do it, the more that I learn. Right. And so and the more that I'm doing this and prioritizing this work, the more I'm reminded to prioritize the practice for myself. Right. That's the beautiful part about doing what you're passionate about, because it doesn't feel like extra work. Right. It's actually the part that makes me the most excited. And so from a capacity standpoint with time, I have to be mindful because I can't do everything. I just cannot, even when I want to, I can't do it all. And when I'm doing those things, they feel good. They're not taking from me, right? And so trying to find, and that's probably a separate conversation, but I talk to people a lot about, you know, when you're thinking about finding your purpose, right? It's usually those things that give you the feeling, right? Where it's like, I may be doing a lot of this, but it feels so good, right? And so that's another conversation. But the business that I started is called Be Well, right? And it's self-care and holistic life balance. And so you brought up that balance. And I thought about that because, you know, I tend to not care for the term or phrase work-life balance. I've kind of moved away from that because life is, work is a part of life. Like work-life balance, it, that, that doesn't make sense to me in the same way. It's just, it's life balance, right? And work is a piece of that. Home is a piece of that, right? Me and my role as mom, right? And my home is separate from me and my role as partner and me and my role, you know, with my nonprofits and that sort of thing. Right. But they all are part of my life. And so it's all me, it's me trying to figure out and find balance within those things. So when I think about balancing it, I think the first thing that comes to mind is really, you know, we've used this word a lot. It's going to be kind of funny now, but you know, that awareness piece, right. Where I have to check in with myself on a regular basis. I was just joking with my students today when I mentioned something and I, I told them, and I said, yeah. And so, you know, I said, you know, I can't do that right now. 
you know? And so going back to this comment and they laughed at it, you know, like, oh my gosh, I can't believe you told me you can do it. And it's like, what's wrong with that? <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. And so the balance piece for me starts with regular check-ins with self, right? Regular moments to reflect on. Okay. How are you really, Shanza? Like I like to laugh when I ask people this question. So, you know, how are you? Okay. But how are you really? In other words, let's be honest, let's be vulnerable, right? And sometimes our gut response for how are you is not really how we are. And so allowing ourselves to be honest and truthful, to be real and vulnerable. And if you can't do that with yourself, you're going to have a really hard time in life. And so to do my honest check-in, and sometimes that's a, you're doing a little too much, baby girl. (laughs) This is beautiful and you're not sleeping. This is wonderful and Right. And so and I often say that instead of the but. Right. Because, you know, both are existing. Right. And sometimes they're in conflict with one another and sometimes they're just both existing. And so now I need to figure out, okay, so what do I do with the fact that they're both here? And so that initial checking in with self. And when I mentioned that I asked my son what he needed, so often we don't know what we need. You know, when friends call you and they're stressed, well, you know, what do you need right now? I don't know. You know, and oftentimes it's because you can't feel that need, right? But if you're not able to reflect and identify the need within self, then even you can't feel it personally, right? And so I'm constantly reflecting on where am I right now, right? That's that mindfulness piece, being able to drop completely in. You know, where am I right now? What am I feeling? What am I thinking? What do I need right now? And then being willing and able to offer myself grace and be kind and gentle, because we're often super kind and gentle with other people and very harsh and critical of self. And so I often will, you know, kind of, if you imagine giving yourself like an internal hug and squeeze, you know, just a little gentleness, you know, oh, that's really difficult right now. Or you're going through a rough patch right now, baby. <laughs> you know, like just talking to myself about it and showing a little kindness and then reflecting on, you know, what do you need right now? Sometimes for me, that balance means looking at my schedule and figuring out what I need to take off. Right. Sometimes for me, that means figuring out, you know, okay, I need connection, maybe putting in some opportunities to be with people. Maybe that means I need therapy session right now. Maybe that means, right. Maybe that just means I need a day off. Right. Maybe that means I need a hug. Maybe I need a good cry, you know, and that's okay too. You know, maybe I need some me time and I need, maybe I need fun. You know, maybe I need sleep, but whatever the need is being able to name it. And oftentimes, because we don't look at ourselves as holistically as would be beneficial, you know, I oftentimes I think about myself and I think about like the dimensions of wellness. Right. And so, you know, what does my physical body need right now? What does my physical self need? Right. Well, in order to determine that, I need to know where I am physically. Right. For me, body scans help with that. I'm able to determine I have a lot of uh, a lot, maybe a stretch. I have some medical issues that cause physical pain. You know, so I'm able to reflect and check in on where my body is, you know, what's needed there. You know, emotionally, where are you emotionally, Shanza? Oh, that's where I'm struggling the most right now. Right. And I'm able to say that. And when I work with students, you know, we're able to say, well, I'm doing really good right now physically. You know, I'm doing really good kind of with my social connections and my support systems. Those things feel really good. Psychologically, I feel like I'm all right, you know? And then I'll have students say, I think emotionally I'm a mess. But being able to tease that out, right? Because when you're feeling off or when you're feeling overwhelmed or anxious or stressed, it's hard to pinpoint the root cause, right? And without a root cause, it's hard to then, it's hard to then act on it, right? It's hard to, it's hard to then address it. And so you have to identify the root cause. So for me, balance looks like creating space to do all of those things, right? And so I could recognize that my whole self consists of multiple parts. And when any one is off, right, lacking, it creates this, it's no longer balanced, right? You don't feel like there's a balance. That may not be the word that you use. You may feel like I feel a little off or I feel a little, right? And that's because something needs tending to. And that doesn't mean that everything is equal, right? It's not necessarily equal all the time, but everything plays a part. And when something is lacking or neglected or or there's a need, you feel it somewhere within you. And it, you have to spend time going inward to figure out where that's coming from. And oftentimes I find that it's helpful to look at the parts of self right? And to figure out, okay, well, maybe it's physical, or maybe it's emotional, you know, and oh, you know, I haven't spent time with anybody that I loved in a long time, and I'm feeling a little sad. No wonder I'm down, right? That makes sense. I thought it was just the cold weather. Maybe that's it too. You know, maybe it's a little seasonal stuff, but I also haven't, I haven't had fun. I haven't been hugged in a while. 
right? I haven't, funny story, I was asked to do, to speak uh, for the Pilot International, which is a service organization. And this was one of their yearly, like annual conventions. And they asked me to speak on mindful leadership. And I can't remember the topic, but basically caring for yourself in the midst of serving. And what does that mean? And in the midst of change, their topic was on change. And how do you care for yourself in the midst of change? Which is interesting because change can throw off your whole equilibrium, right? And so they wanted to talk about, okay, so much has changed due to COVID and we're really struggling as an organization, right? And so how do you care for yourself and how does the organization move forward in the midst of change? And I had a, I asked a question and, oh, I asked about what do you need? So I was given an example and I said, if I were to throw this to the group and if I were to ask you, so just spend a second, I had them spend a little time reflecting and to reflect on what do you need right now in this moment? If you were to identify what need, what do you need? And I gave them a minute and I came back and said, okay, who would like to share? And somebody shared, somebody mentioned sleep, you know, these little things. And then this older woman who truly reminded me of my grandma, like probably in her eighties stood up and actually she didn't stand first. She raised her hand and I said, yeah, stand up if you're able to stand. And so she stood and I said, talk to me, what do you need? And she said, if I'm going to be honest, I need a hug. I haven't had one in a year and a half. Casey, my heart broke. When we think about the impact that this pandemic have had on all of us, we've all been affected in some way, shape, or form, right? We don't have to judge it. We don't have to call it good or bad. We've all been affected in some way, shape, or form. Some people have, have been affected, I won't say more, in a way that I think has impacted them more negatively, right? And so when she said, I haven't had a hug in a year and a half, Everybody in the room, just, yeah, your facial expression is what happened, right? Everybody looked like they wanted to cry. And I said, I'm going to give you a hug if you're okay with it, mask and all, right? I said, if you're okay with it, I want to hug you. And she said, yeah. And so I gave her the best hug. She hugged me for so long, Casey. You would have thought we had a personal relationship, first of all, right? But the importance of physical contact, it's huge. And I'm imagining, I don't know if this is true, but in my head, all I could think is this woman is living by herself. I could be wrong, right? She'd be living with 50 people. But all I could think was, is this woman is living by herself in the midst of COVID. And because she's an older woman, she is likely more at risk, right, for COVID and is being very intentional about spending time with people, which means she's been extremely isolated. She doesn't work. I didn't know that, right? And my heart broke because I'm thinking, a year and a half without being physically touched impacts you way more than we think, right? That That's huge. That's not healthy, <laughs> okay? That's not healthy. And something so, so small. And when we were, oh, when it was over, you know, I had a conversation with her and a few people came around and we just talked a little bit about if it weren't for that question, you know, she said, I wouldn't have, like, I didn't know. Like, of course I'm missing people, right? But I didn't think about just a hug would make such a difference. Right. So that's what I'm talking about. Right. Finding those things. And in order to do that, we have to check in with ourselves and we have to create space to determine our needs. And we have to be able to have that awareness in order to find and in order to create balance. Right. And balance looks different for each of us. And so if you're not doing the individual work, you're not going to figure it out because there's no prescription for it. Right. There's no prescription. There's no one answer to that. Yeah. And there's so much curiosity that's needed for that of something's not right. So mm-hmm. that coming from, and it's usually, at least in my experience, it's the harder roots or the tougher feelings that are a little bit harder to place. Yep. But as long as we're giving it some care and some gentle questioning, we get Yeah. There. And sometimes we can't do that by ourselves, right? Right. Sometimes we may need help of other people. Sometimes we may need to see counseling or therapy. Sometimes we may need some people, for some people, you know, maybe a pastor, for some people, a close friend. Sometimes we can't get there by ourselves. We need somebody to poke and prod, right? But it's the space that's required, right? It's that space that has to be created with intention, right? Or we won't get anywhere. I think I'll never stop being amazed at the power of creating that space. Like what that does when I create that space for myself or I create it for someone else or it's created for me, it is transformative, literally every single time. Yeah. And I think what's interesting is I don't think we realize how necessary, like that can't be optional. Right. And that's the issue. And yet, how do you learn about the importance of that? Right. So when we reflect on one of the things that I like to do in some of my workshops is I ask people to reflect on when did you first learn about self-care? 
All right, let's go back. When did you first learn about it? When did you first learn about the definition? When did you first learn about the practices and what it looks like? And usually it's really interesting because I'll either have people say, truly, I learned about it in college, right? Or I learned about it as a parent. It's adults. It's very rare that I, you know, people have heard the concept as a kid maybe, but where did you really learn about it? And then when I say practices, I get a lot of pauses. And usually I'll get people to say, oh, in college I took a class or I had a professor who, you know, or well, as a parent, I just kind of figured it out that I needed to do this thing. <laughs> you know, I don't even know what it is, but I need to do it. Or you get the blank faces. The, well, I don't know if I know that yet. <laughs> you know, I don't think, I know what I kind of try to do to take care of myself, but I don't think I've ever been taught that, right? And that's the piece that I think is missing. And unfortunately, I don't have the superpower that I want to have. We all have superpowers. I don't have the one that I want to have, because if I did, I would be able to create spaces across our whole world for these sorts of conversations and to teach this, right? But I haven't figured out how to do that completely yet. So I'm just doing it in little pockets. <laughs> the pockets are making a difference in their, oh, their own places. Well, I don't want to take up too much more of your time, but I would love to... We know we're recording this amidst the holiday season. We are about to approach the time of year where everybody's talking about very rigid goal setting in a way that I personally think can be pretty unhealthy. This whole concept of self-improvement, usually at the expense of other things. So I would just love to hear your thoughts on how we can move through the holidays and the new year mindfully, how we can set intentions gently. Yeah, I mean, the holidays are definitely can be for people, I think, all the things. So maybe from exciting to anxiety provoking to very emotional, traumatic for some people, right? Mm -hmm. Holidays can, I think, evoke all types of feelings. And I think the mindful piece is really important, right? So when you think about mindfulness, I like to use John Kabat-Zinn's definition, and it's really, you know, it's paying attention, right? And it's doing so on purpose, right? So now we're talking intentionally, right? On purpose in the present moment. So the right now, this is where you are because this is all we've got for real, right? And then without judgment. And that's that kindness, that gentleness, that grace that sometimes we forget, right? And so when you think about those three aspects and you think about setting intentions, I always, I encourage people to start from there, right? And to think about, and I just mentioned this before, but, you know, moments of pause and reflection, offering yourself and others grace, spending time with gratitude, right? So quick to think about, okay, what's next? What do I need to do next? But starting from those places, I think allow for you to enter a little more gently, right? So when you start from grace, when you start from gratitude, right? When you start from no judgment, it allows for you to really think a little differently about what the, what, about what your journey, what your aims are, what your goals may be, right? A little differently, right? And so I think, you know, when you think about this, the concept of more radical self-care, and taking care of yourself and whatever that may mean for you without apology in the midst of anxiety and stress and all these other emotions, I, I, I would encourage people to begin with a place from a place that's more kind and gentle, offering yourself a little gratitude and grace. And then this is where really my last conversation fits perfectly here. In order to set intentions, you have to go inward, right? I mean, you have to bring about a sense of awareness in order to aim for anything, right? What motivates you? What are you passionate about? Where would you like your journey to be? I mean, any and all of that, you can't do any of that without going inward. And so I encourage people to think about, um, you know, what does that look like for you? What are your priorities, right? Intentions help to provide a little focus, right? It gives us motivation, but trying to keep a positive outlook, not so positive that it's not productive, right? But we're talking realistic, right? We want to set ourselves up for success in life. We want to set ourselves up for wellness, want to set ourselves up for happiness, for love, right? All of those positive things. And if you enter from a place of unrealistic expectations, more harsh and rigid language or spaces, it really sets you up for critical right? Feedback to self afterwards, right? Any opportunity that you didn't meet a goal, for example, when you're more likely to be critical, when you're a little more open, when you're a little more, and not just positive, I mean, it really is like more grace oriented, just more kind <laughs> on a very basic level. I think you, you're, you tend to be a little more, I think, clearer, a little less judgy, and honestly, a little more flexible. And I, I think 
kind of that flexibility, although sometimes when we think about kind of aims and goals, we think we want to be very specific, but specific doesn't mean rigid, right? We're just talking clarity. <laughs> you just want to be clear, right? That doesn't mean rigid. And you can be clear and allow for flexibility. You can be clear and allow for grace. You can be clear and be gentle and kind and allow yourself the opportunity to redirect, to change and to shift as necessary. It's not a yes or no, I did it or I didn't, right? It could be, a okay, this is where I was going. This was my intention and some things change. So how do I move in this direction? What does that mean for me? What does that look like? What do I want from this? What was my goal? And like, what was my purpose behind creating this? How do I now, how do I look at that a little differently, right? Which is a lot less critical and a lot more um, open and gentle. And so I just, I encourage people to start from a space. If your end goal is to, and most people, I think this is a part of most people in goals is to be healthy, right? To be happy, to be loved, right? I mean, some of those positive things. You cannot do that if you're starting from a place that is not also positive, right? Like, like you, you just, you can't. You, part of that is really creating the space. You're, you know, I like to talk about heart spaces, right? From a heart space that's already kind, that's already gentle, the way that you would do it with a kid, the way that you would do it with your best friend, right? If they were talking about goals, the way that we would talk to them about that and how to get to that and, oh, we'll be, you know, well, if that doesn't work out, that's okay. This is what, right? Our language is a lot different. And so how do you start there with yourself? Because then that language will continue to flow. That flexibility will be present. That open, that willingness to make shifts and changes as they arise. Life is unpredictable. And while it's beautiful to have goals and to set intentions and to aim for certain things and to allow for that to motivate you, it is just as important to allow for the possibility of whatever. I'll stop with that. <laughs> I just am thinking when you leave room for flexibility, you leave space for really good things to enter in. Like that goes beyond just what we're bringing to the table if we have flexibility mm-hmm. for how our goals can change. Then there's space for extra good things that we couldn't possibly anticipate. That's right. And we have to remember that in many ways, we don't have control. Mm -hmm. In many ways, we don't have the power that we think we do, right? And some we do, but in in many ways, we can't predict how things are going to turn out. And we don't have control over everything that comes our way. And so we can set intentions, we can aim for certain things, we can be motivated to do, to accomplish all these great things. And if we don't leave space, for not only the good things, but for life to happen. (laughs) We will be disappointed, we will be hurt, and we'll be thrown off so much that we can't, if you can't then redirect, right? Or bounce back a little bit, right? When you think about, I don't really wanna use the word resiliency here, but for lack of a better word, right? It really fosters that. And it's important for us because life will continue to happen. It's not gonna stop, it will continue to happen. And I think personally, that's a beautiful thing. Some things that happen can be horrific right? So some can throw you off. Some can be painful. Some can be true, right? All those negative things are possible for all of us. And some can be absolutely beautiful and life altering in the best of ways. And so we, we have to always allow for life and be okay with that a little bit, you know? It's here. <laughs> it's, okay. That's right. That's right. So I would love for you to share If you have any resources and if there's too many to list, we can always just link them in the description. Any resources you would recommend for listeners who are wanting to learn more about some of what we've discussed? Yeah, I would love to send you a list in addition because I do, I try to keep resources because so I could definitely send you some things. One of the things that comes to mind for me and only because I used it recently, Wellness from Within. I don't know if you've ever heard of it, but they have like a little booklet, which is really cool. And I think you can download it for free. I find it's a really good place to start. If you haven't done any real work with kind of holistic well-being and really trying to look at like you as a whole person and all parts of self, it's a really good, I think, start. But I do have some other resources and I'll happily, I'll happily link them. So now for the question we ask all of our guests, what does the process of awareness to action mean to you? So it's interesting because I think throughout a few times, you know, I've kind of brought up this concept of awareness and what that means. And, and I think, you know, increasing one's awareness, right? So when I think about awareness to action, increasing one's awareness 
allows for the opportunity, I think, to be educated, which I think is necessary in order to act. And when I say educated, I don't necessarily mean outside education, right? I'm talking even when we go within, that's educating, right? And so increasing that and on any level, right? So increasing that personal awareness, increasing awareness of impact of, you know, the outside world on us when I was talking about the impact of COVID or what have you, right? But when you spend some time to focus on and become more aware, you are then able to act. You can't really act without awareness because then that's not intentional anymore, right? So in order to be intentional, which when we're acting, we want to be intentional because typically we're acting for a desired outcome. So in order to do that, that there has to first be a level of awareness. And again, whether that's personal, right? So we're talking personal awareness for our own well-being or if we're talking within community so that we can advocate for change, it really doesn't matter the level. Um, you have to start from a place of awareness so that you can then educate yourself, find resources, whatever you need to do, right? To align yourself best to then move into act. So that's what comes to mind for me. And as I think about that, I think on my personal journey, I think that's that that resonates in the same way as it does on my professional journey. I think it is the exact same for me when I think about my profession as when I think about my work with my kids, right? Like it really is the same for me that that awareness is needed prior to any action in order to act from a place of intention. I love your use of the word alignment in that. I really like that a lot. It's a beautiful word, by the way. Yeah. I like words, so. (laughs) Well, Shanza, thank you so much for taking the time to be with us as we've already discussed. I know you have a whole lot on your plate, a lot of good things, and I'm just really grateful for this, this whole conversation that just feels very uplifting to me. And, you know, our 2021 Awareness to Action episodes will be ending with this one and it feels like a really great one to take us into 2022. So thanks for being here. I am just very grateful for the opportunity to be here, to see your face for one. Again, it's really nice to see you, to see the work that you're doing. I'm really excited for you and honestly proud of you because I do feel like I was here and a part of your journey. And so really proud of you and where you are right now. And I think that this podcast is, you know, necessary. Like it's really needed. And I'm hoping that whatever I offer today benefits somebody. I was very excited to be a part of it. And after talking to you, I'm hoping you can see my passions. I'm really easy to find, by the way, if anybody's interested in reaching out and talking a little more about what, you know, mindful living or, you know, setting intentions or just holistic well-being overall, I'm open. But I appreciate you having me. This was a real highlight of my day. And you talked about this being the episode that wraps up for you. This is the last thing of my day. And I think it really has set the tone for my long drive home. And I'm feeling really good full. So thank you. Good. Well, we'll make sure that we share all of your information for all the things you're involved in and for you in the episode description. And that'll be that. Thank you. I appreciate you, Casey. Thanks for listening. And thank you to Shanza for joining us. Make sure you subscribe to Awareness to Action so you don't miss out on any of the conversations we have coming up in 2022.